deciding on doing The Great Gatsby? Remind me, whose whose idea was it? Y'all picked it. I I threw out what? Like five movies, and then y'all picked it. We gave Antonio the choice because he hated our choice of Wild Wild West. That's right. And he didn't want to contribute to Wild Wild West, so we said, all right, Antonio, you pick the next one. So he gave us five movies, and what do you remember any of those other movies that were part of the five? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit. Fucking A. All I remember is Great Gatsby. <laughs> well, that's what you guys decided, so that's it's in my mind. We passed on fucking Taken? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Y'all passed on Taken. I wanted to do Gats because Son I haven't seen bitch. it. Son that was my that was my uh, vote. So if this episode's shitty, it's on y'all. It's not going to be shitty. Is no, it's going to be awesome. That Robert De Niro movie. No. That Anne Hathaway movie. Yes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Movie. Oh wait. No, okay. No, the internship is. Oh God. You're thinking it's of the, the uh, Vince Vaughn. Vaughn. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah, there's the intern and then there's the internship. Oh, okay, um, all right. All right. The intern probably is much better than internship. I've never seen the internship. It peaks pretty but early. Robert De Niro is a treasure in the intern. The internship, though, however, does have a good app idea. I would never use it. What's their app idea? Uh, you have to solve like a math problem before you sent the drunk text. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Which I can't do math sober, so. So, guys, anybody watch anything interesting this week? Brandon? I restarted watching Game of Thrones. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You're going to invest all that time for such a disappointing ending? That's not a disappointing ending. I don't find the ending to Game of Thrones actually disappointing. I thought that it did everything that it needed to do. I actually but, don't find it that disappointing either. Pandering to the masses when hmm. I say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not a good judge of endings, though, apparently. because Clearly. You know, I like Rise of Skywalker. Glad you acknowledged it. <laughs> uh, that's the only thing for me is I'm watching, I'm rewatching Game of Thrones. Somebody in my household hasn't seen it yet, uh, and they agreed to watch it, so... Yes. Did you ever finish The Office? I am still watching The Office, too, although I didn't get to watch any episodes this week because, well, we did uh, Game of Thrones, and then there's that show on HBO Max um, with Anna Kendrick, uh, uh, Love Story, uh, and she is fantastic in that. Briefly, it's Love Life, not Love Story. Love Life, I, you, yeah. you put Love Story in the, in the chat, and I was like, wait, like the, the Taylor Swift song. I get, I get it confused with Marriage Story because... You know, it's so much better than marriage. Oh, my God. So Adam Driver is not in the TV show is what you're saying. Right. And you're more invested in the characters and their outcomes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen the TV show, so I, I can't I can't argue. Really? I feel like it'd be right up you and Jen's alley. In for what, for what reason? <laughs> that show is, was made for you, too. Okay. Well, we'll see. Yeah, yes. We'll watch it and then be very upset with you for saying that, probably, because it it sounds like it could be a disrespect. I'm excited. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> this is going south so fast. <laughs> Antonio, 
Uh, slow week for me too. I watched uh, Lady Bird. Me too. That was it. I don't really have much to say about the movie. It was, if I was a teenage girl, I think I could relate, but that's about all I have to say about that. Like Booksmart. <gasps> oh Jesus! Like Nick and fucking Amanda share a brain. Jesus. <laughs> it's just a it's a running joke at this point to mention Booksmart. I mentioned Booksmart after watching Lady Bird. Oh, yeah. Because I said, I mean, it's no Booksmart. <laughs> Booksmart's better. Shouts to Beanie Feldstein, my girl. So what did you think of Sarsha in, in that movie, Antonio? Like, or the, the, the lead character? It nothing, nothing didn't do anything for you? Uh, I mean, again, if I was a teenage girl, I feel like I could relate. I hated my parents a couple of days once, so... Who among that part us? I found relatable. It was a, it was a solid two. Ooh, okay, wow. Hot take of the week. I mean, I, I don't I don't disagree with Antonio, and people kept trying to say that's like the kind of movie that I would watch. The only thing I have to say about Lady Bird is I am in the camp that Laurie Metcalf should have probably won over Alice and Janie for Best Supporting Actress. You're gonna make me do this. I don't know if I agree with that either. Spoiler, if anyone hasn't seen it in this group, I think the ending scene of her driving off and then driving back was just an, like a very emotional, gut-wrenching kind of scene. I thought that's the type of scene that wins you an Oscar. I don't remember in I, Tanya, a scene where Alice and Janney showed that emotion. She was good. She was awesome. I just, I think that Laurie Metcalf hit a different level. Yeah, I looked at the nominees. I think you're right. Of those nominees. Definitely agree with you on that one, Ryan. So smart, Ryan. Jennifer, is is there any movie that we saw that you would like to briefly talk or no, at length like we talk about? We watched a lot this week. The Five Blood, King of Staten Island. Oh, <gasps> how was that? That other movie. We all just like perked up. So what, which one? What, King of Staten Island. So Monday we watched. I don't care about everything else. Just King of Staten Island. <laughs> yeah. It was good. Oh, come it on, Jen. Good. No, it was. It's Nick had a point. It it wouldn't be what it was if it wasn't Pete Davidson as like the main guy with the whole firefighter and his dad situation. Right. He, he's been on fire lately. I feel like. Good for him. That's Poor that's taste. too poor that's, taste. Poor always, taste. Always too soon for that. Poor oh, taste. My bad. I didn't get it. <laughs> poor taste, Brandon. Poor taste. You can't you can't say that. I mean, he wasn't on fire in the movie. <laughs> did y'all watch big time adolescent um not yet i haven't seen it now no but i was reading that this this role was his best yet that's yeah i think that's what i read before we watched it and i i'd only heard good things and i'd never really heard pete davidson's like voice before like i watch his snl skits and like you know i didn't i don't watch it that often so it's weird to see him like yeah like in a role did you like the movie? I liked it. Yeah, I thought I thought it was good. Um, I did cry. It got me at one point. Yeah, there's a really powerful scene. It was not something that we had referenced, Jen and I, when we were talking about it afterwards, but it was something that, that got me. Um, and I don't want to spoil it or anything, but um, there's, there's some good emotion, and it's obviously really good in the sense that it feels very natural. Like, it, everything, and, you know, it... it, it clearly mines a lot of his personal experiences to get that you know that always helps i think that the way that um 
Judd Apatow does that with some of his stuff is really interesting. And I think it, you know, it gets, gets really good performances and it gets really, um, really authentic uh, stories into his movies. I bet it's cool to be from Staten Island and watch that movie and be like, fuck yeah, Staten Island. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> we also watched, you know what? I'll just, I'll just say, save everything that we watched for next week. Um, unless we need a bridge here. I think we could figure out a way to bridge Staten Island to uh, East Egg or West Egg. Which egg is it? The Long Island. Uh, Long Island is, okay, I fucked that up. Try that again. <laughs> King of Staten Island, but Gatsby's on Long Island. Yeah. Oh, okay. Is that what you're asking? Okay. It's all New York. I don't fucking. It's all um, the same. Listen, just be just because I watched the movie doesn't mean I know geography. So we're gonna go from the King of Staten Island to 2013's The Great Gatsby. I love it. When I say Antonio the Great Gatsby, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, after rewatching it this week, it makes me rethink the whole concept of bros before hoes. And I will elaborate wow. further. <laughs> as we proceed with this conversation. I love your interpretation. God, I'm so excited for the rest of the conversation now. Holy shit. <laughs> Anything else? Well, they knew how to party in the 20s. Not as great as they did in the 80s, but you know, the 20s were, were pretty wild apparently. So there is that. We're off to a, a roaring start here in, you know, centuries, 20s by doing virtual parties. But, yes. you know. We still got, you know, nine years ahead of us, so fingers crossed. Is that a roaring 20s joke? It was. I got it. I had to mute myself. (laughs) The thing that I thought about with this movie when I watched it, obviously high school and being assigned this film, but also um, I watched this movie with somebody today and they brought up the fact that... uh, People tried to they tried to throw uh, Gatsby themed parties uh, because this movie yeah, was yeah. was so popular, which is you know kind of funny because obviously in high school you didn't want to read the book, but uh, as soon as this movie came out and was a hit, uh, it was a big blockbuster. Uh, people tried to throw Gatsby themed parties, uh, and it kind of reminded me of like when people tried to also throw like Project X parties and. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, and and so I that was that was funny to me that that's what people took away from this movie at least post high school was Gatsby through great parties. That's the that's the depth they got from it. <laughs> what did you think when we had to watch Great Gatsby? Well, as an avid reader, I'm ashamed to say that I've never read the book. I was never assigned it in high school, nor had I seen any iteration of the film up until this week. The 2013 version or the 74 version or any version prior to that. So shrug emoji. That was what I thought. Didn't know there was a 74 version until I was uh, taking notes watching this movie this week. Yeah, Robert Redford and Mia Farrow. Nick, what about you? What, What came to mind when we all collectively decided to watch the film The Great Gatsby? I... I'm a really big fan of the book. Um, it's one of the few, there's maybe like three books, uh, books that I read when I was in school, for school that I really enjoyed. And when I watched this, I the first time, 
Um, not now, obviously, but I, I had I had memories of thinking that this was at least a good movie. Um, so I was excited to sort of re-enter and see what it was, um, you know, what I what I thought about it like seven years later, because I'm pretty sure that I watched this in, in theaters. But I'm a big fan of the, the Gatsby story by itself. So I was excited. Fucking Amanda's gone. <laughs> Fucking Ryan's gone. <laughs> God, guys, I don't, I don't know if it's in the cards for us tonight. Uh, so Brian, we got to, we got Brian. Wait Amanda, a minute, you're what? really gonna just skip over the internet service issues? <laughs> That's what's happening here. You're just trying to just, you thought, skate your way over that. You thought. Listen, I don't want to jinx anything. I don't. Mm. I'm hoping we got the problem solved. So do it at the end? Yeah. Let's do it at the end. When Perfect. we forget about it? We won't forget. I have a feeling you won't you won't let us forget. People don't forget. Okay, I'll sum up the story in 30 seconds. No. Okay? 30 no. Seconds it doesn't get to come from your perspective. No, no, no. Okay, well then go, go ahead. Just get it out of the way. Get it out of the way. In my Oh, <laughs> fuck, we're getting into the mansplaining part. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I did not mansplain anything. You didn't mansplain it. You let the AT&T sales guy, installer guy come and mansplain it to oh, me. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Just get it out of the way. Just do it. Get it out of the way. So do, where do you want me to start? From what you found out last night or two Just nights ago? Two nights or ago. Just From Just eight start. months ago. No, two just, nights ago, Ryan found out that our Wi-Fi extender up on our second story has never been plugged in to a power source. <laughs> <laughs> do you have to do that? Well, we're. I don't think it should be an issue. Being Wait, like, a okay, hold on. Power source. Not even. Have you unplugged it and replugged it in? Never plugged in. Never plugged in. Wait, why wouldn't it be an issue? Do you not have to do that? Well, the main modem is on the second story, and we're on the second story recording. Uh -huh. So I, you know, okay, it, it didn't it didn't cross my mind. So and then when I saw the unplugged, so the extender, I said, I told Amanda we need to get an extender because apparently we're losing. Oh, you told me. Listen, okay. no, 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 no. And then you said we have an extender. It's in the office. And I'm like, it should be working because if I'm controlling this bitch and I'm in the office, I shouldn't ever drop connectivity. Oh. So I go and I look at the modem. Amanda's downstairs, pissed off at the world because we couldn't finish recording and she really wanted to, to do this episode. And I said, hey, you need to come upstairs. And she's like, what? I was like, you need to come upstairs and fucking see this. And she's like, what? Get upstairs. And there's the modem connected to the network jack but no fucking power adapter that's not the modem that was the extender the extender i mean it was not fucking plugged so into any know power what he's source talking about i don't he doesn't even know what he's talking about okay <laughs> i'm trying to figure well, out how to tell myself throughout this deal let me tell you something is my <laughs> let me tell you something so when the at&t installer came in eight months ago ten months ago to install our modem i told him hey man I have an extender that I need you to install with this modem because I work from home. So I need you to go ahead and install this with the modem. 
he's like, all right, cool. I walk out of the room. He tells Ryan, oh, that thing's a piece of shit. Let me give you one of the AT&T modems or one of the AT&T extenders. And the dude proceeds to mansplain how my stuff and my equipment that I provided to him was a piece of shit and then proceeds to not even plug in to a power source the extender that he provided to Ryan. Uh, look at those big waves. Gosh. Needless to say, <laughs> I went ahead and... Um, so you plugged it in. <laughs> so all so my equipment's d- shitty, but heaven forbid we put something in a power source. <laughs> you know what's shittier than shitty? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so... You let that dude sell you nothing? <laughs> It's very reminiscent of the Great Gatsby. Shame. The fact that oh, is this it? Transition. Is it? Can't, can't think of anything. Shame. Okay. Hey, real quick, did, did anybody did anybody watch anything last night instead of uh, instead of wait no last night was Saturday. Did anybody watch anything Friday or Saturday night so that we don't so that we can talk about that? Do I, I can squeeze one in right now. Antonio, I am uh, always a fan of you squeezing one in, so. <laughs> Have you guys seen Dirty Dancing Havana Nights? Oh, boy. I haven't had the pleasure. Oh, no. Sir. It is a 22% on Rotten Tomatoes, but it is entertaining. <laughs> but 100% in your heart, or? It is. Uh, we're never going to review it, but this this would be a three. Oh. 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 Okay. Oh, this is, it's got Diego Luna? Yeah. Why is Diego Luna in this? He said, why is Diego Luna in this? It's got baby face Diego Luna. There is not even like fucking puberty, like facial hair on him. Wow. Looks like a 13 year old boy, but. What role does Patrick Swayze play in this? Brandon. He's the dance instructor. Oh my God. Okay. Oh, this came out before he died? Yeah. Okay, okay. I thought, yeah, I thought you were just being rude. Okay. <laughs> okay. 04. A lot of historical context, too. Like, if you guys are into, like, the Cold War stuff and... Do they do, they do this dance to end the Cold War? Uh, they No, because this was based in the 50s or 60s, whenever the Cuban Revolution happened. Oh, okay. So, okay. so, if anything, this dance led to the revolution. Ah. <laughs> Okay, so this is like this is like Rocky Four, where right, and so I the think, movie events. I led. think this is a movie, but it might be a documentary because at the beginning it said based on true events. So you know, oh right. no, they, they don't just plug two this. people did dance at one point in time in Cuba. Yeah, this movie has too many Black Eyed Peas songs on it, and by too many, I mean there are two. <laughs> they have a, a Cuban version of uh, "Hips Don't Lie" in there. Oh, why did why do they need a Cuban version of Hips Don't Lie? I don't know. What's the difference between the Cuban version and. Listen, we understand that there are differences in cultures between (laughs) Hispanic countries. However, they altered the lyrics a little bit. They 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 forced they forced the word Havana. Cuban in there. Hips don't lie. I was I was literally about to say that. Did they just put the word Cuban in there? Yeah. But it's a, it's an easy watch. It's only ninety minutes long. I think. Watched it while I was doing my parents' taxes last night. It's awesome. I hope I didn't fuck up their taxes. 
<laughs> that sounds promising. Yeah, that's always what you want. So we got through to Antonio. Nick, we had just finished up before our internet shit the bed. Brandon, we talked about you. So Jen, when I say The Great Gatsby, what do you think? Good morning. Good morning. Um, I think of a book that I was supposed to have read at some point in school and just never did. And then a movie that I didn't watch for seven years until just now because I had to. Not in a bad way. It, I always wanted to watch it. I just, everything I heard of was like, oh, it's visually stunning, but it's not that good. Same. And it was never high on my priority list, so. Were you pleasantly surprised? Or were you still kind of like, I see what everyone's talking about? It was a mix. I mean, obviously it looked cool. It looked good. It seemed long. And I'm just not, uh, I just cringe when Tobey Maguire's on camera. I'm not a fan. Not your Spider-Man? Yeah, no, it's 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 a movie. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, Ryan. Yeah. When I say The Great Gatsby to you, <laughs> what do you think? To piggyback off of Jen, I think the same thing. I think of a fucking novel I had to read over my going from sophomore to junior year of high school. Had to do like this long ass report about it. And it turned out I really, really liked the book. I did. It was probably one of the only books I ever read in high school that I was like, huh, this is good. But I had no interest really in seeing the movie when it came out. And the other thing that comes to mind with The Great Gatsby is you have to go with that like classic gif of DiCaprio doing the little cheers deal. So those are that's what comes to mind about, about The Great Gatsby. One thing I will say is the book in the in this version of the movie were actually pretty similar. There there I mean there were some some differences, but there weren't like some major differences. Like as far as storyline goes, sometimes sometimes you'll see like, oh, this book is or this movie is based off an ap- adaptation of a book and it just take a complete like fucking left turn somewhere. I didn't I don't remember it being like that. The thing for me as an adaptation, I guess it it's it's faithful to the source material and what you're talking about, like plot wise. Right. Like everything is, is generally the same. There's this weird like framing device where Tobey Maguire is in like talking to a psychiatrist or something throughout very like and in the beginning that's how it starts and then throughout various points like that's that's the reason for the narration is that he's like writing because the psychologist told him to write or something like that which is weird and not in the book and doesn't like i don't understand why you can't just have a narrator narrating events like why do you need some weird sort of framing device that you know about this movie being long they could have probably cut all that did not make any sense in the movie whatsoever no like why is he Anyways, in the context of the movie, no, it doesn't make sense. So like plot wise, I think other than that, though, you know, I mean, they they lift lines like you're talking about. I mean, it's a pretty well respected book, so it makes sense to lift some lines here. Um, it's not quite Romeo plus Juliet in the sense that it's, you know, it's not whole cloth dialogue. There's like a lot of a depth in the book that is not present on the screen. Did anyone else feel like this was like a like an empty movie, I guess? Definitely agree with you in that sense. I think I said earlier that this, it's a good movie, but there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of substance, I guess, there, where with the book, there's just like so many different layers to all of these characters. I thought it's a great movie. Uh, Obviously, people also liked it because it made a ton of money at the box office, but it feels kind of empty. It's it's a great spectacle, um, you know. Uh, Baz Luhrmann does a great job of, you know, just really capturing the 20s um, on screen. But 
it feels empty and hollow at the end of the day. Presumably when you make this movie, you're not trying to appeal to all the people that read it in school, right? Like you're, you're casting this and creating this to appeal to, you know, the general public to get them. Cause I feel like there's a large majority of people that aren't going to go to the movies, you know, once a month, twice a month, maybe it's like a summer deal where, but do you guys think that that had any impact on it? Like you can't really, it's not like a, I'm going to use Harry Potter, even though I've never seen any of the movies, but like presumably when you make the Harry Potter movies, you're wanting to appeal to the actual like readers of, of that, the front of the series. And when you're looking at great Gatsby, like we all had to read it because schools made us read it kind of get where I'm coming from or. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think you're right. Antonio. I mean, you know, uh, and that was the interest. I mean, that's the interesting, that was the hook. Right. For this movie was that, um, hey, it's great Gatsby, but it's we're talking about the We're actually making like an, an allegory about the modern times. And also we've got Jay-Z, you know, we've got we've got a modern soundtrack. We've got, you know, we're, we're updating this. This is this is great Gatsby for the 2013 for all the all the youths, you know, so we can we can get those we can get that money. And like Brandon's saying, I guess it, you know, I made a bunch of money. It did well. It appealed to the masses. You know, Baz knows how to make make something like this work for everyone. I, I guess that's an interesting point, looking at it through the lens of just like a, almost like a blockbuster without any action, I guess. Does it work on that level? Yeah, I think if you if you remove the if you remove the classic source material and just say this was just a movie based upon visuals, based upon uh, the soundtrack and I guess throw the storyline back in there. But if it wasn't like the classic representation of a great Gatsby, then yeah, I mean, it's a summer blockbuster, but I think that's what kind of makes it. I think the combination of the soundtrack, the time period, special effects, I, it all, it, it so, I don't know if convoluted is the right word, but some blockbusters are like that. That's the whole point. Yeah. I think, I think that I, you know, and agreeing with Ryan, I think that if you took the title off of this and left everything else the same, you know, it definitely works on a blockbuster level. You know, you have Leo who, you know, maybe is the last great movie star that draws you to the box office on name alone. Right. Non, non-franchise category. Right. Right. Since, since everything is a franchise now. Yeah. Did you uh, think it was a blockbuster? Did you think it, it had all the makings of it, but did you actually think it accomplished its feat of being a blockbuster? I mean, I guess, right? I mean, it's it's um, it's a spectacle. There's um, you know, I, was, I, was, I was re I was reading something where um, you know, I guess this I guess the book didn't get that much uh, get get that much critical love when it came out, and part of it was because people thought it you know I guess it it wasn't gonna last the the story wasn't um, wasn't timeless in a sense. Which is interesting to me because I, you know, obviously the the story part of it is not the big deal for me as far as the um, book goes. It's it's like the way it was written and some interesting stuff that happens. Um, but they were basically like, this is just like a tabloid story, you know. This is right. it's just sort of um, not just just shy of sleazy, and it's like, okay, well, that's it's true. And when you see it on the screen, it's 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 kind of a sleazy story and it works, you know, it's interesting. It draws you in. 
um, in the way that the front page of a tabloid does. It does remind me of the front page of a tabloid. Like there's a bunch of there is uh, like a metaphorical big text in literal in everything that Baz does here. You know, he's going for it all the time. And I think that's what you I'm surprised that it's 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 essentially Baz's way of doing blockbuster. Right. I mean, I know he did Moulin Rouge, but, you know, he's never going to make like an action movie. Um, he's not going to make, you know, an Independence Day or something like that. He's not going to be in general. Yeah, I, that was an interesting point about Baz not directing an action movie, because I kind of consider Romeo plus Juliet uh, a little bit of an action movie. Right. I mean, we've got gun battles. Um, it's it's set in, you know, a more a more contemporary, you know, urban jungle kind of thing. I I and, I, and he did he did it well. That's that's one of my that's one of my favorite uh, Shakespearean based movies, you know, um, besides, you know, Shakespeare and love or other other things that have been adapted for for, you know, the screen. Yeah, that's a spoiler. That's my that was going to be my recommendation was Romeo and Juliet because that's that is done actually very well. You know, you can you can see the similar sort of thought lines for Baz in in choosing both of, uh, you know, choosing Romeo and Juliet and doing it the way he did. And then, you know, choosing the great Gatsby and doing it this way, I guess, trying to trying to twist it somehow, I guess. I guess that that's what his intent was, was to make this great Gatsby broadly appealing. I think, I guess it worked. Yeah. And I, I think the soundtrack had a lot to do with that or attempted to do a lot of that. What did y'all think of the soundtrack to this movie? Fire emoji. As a standalone, it's a great soundtrack. It works really well when it's paired with the movie. I don't know. Like when you first, when you first start the movie and you get that pan over shot of the city and um, no church in the wild plays, you're like, okay, this is going to work. Like this is, this is really good. And then you get to these like party scenes and the speakeasy where like you can feel like Jay Z's like his heavy hand in it. It feels like he really forced his way into it a lot. And he's trying to make these songs fit. I don't know if it's he's trying to make these songs fit that don't quite necessarily fit the scene. I don't know. They feel forced or they feel too hectic. And I don't know if that's like a mistake on his part or him trying too much to be an influence there. Or if it's like Baz being smart enough to like make it feel hectic. And it's just on a level of like artistic genius that I can't appreciate. I'm not sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, are they supposed to feel hectic like that? <laughs> is it because supposed to feel like it sucks? Like, are, are they supposed to feel overwhelming and gaudy and just in your face? And I just don't appreciate that. Right. right. Because they feel overwhelming and gaudy. It's like jazz. Like the, it's like it's like missing a note on purpose. Sure. Right. 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 Or is it Jay being like, "Here, you must listen to my music here." He just he checks he checks his watch and it's been five minutes since a Jay Z song played so he's like I need a Jay Z song like hundred dollar bills in I think it's in the speakeasy scene like doesn't quite fit in there and I just I can't like that scene's a really good scene but I can't appreciate it because I just hear that song in the background and I'm like I don't understand what I'm what's happening here but the updated jazz works I appreciate a lot I, I I personally like jazz and so listening to an updated version of it was fun 
Um, of course, you know, the Lana Del Rey and the XX sound uh, music was really good. I mean, the Lana Del Rey song is iconic, of course. Don't get me started on Black Eyed Peas, though. I, I liked the, the Lana Del Rey song, especially sticks out a lot because of how many different ways they did that song in this movie. I it's, think that And it's is, haunting. It's it, so there's haunting. so many scenes in there where it's, there are different versions of it and every scene I felt like fits well, but also like, I like the idea that Jay-Z had so many songs here um, on this album and there were so many different touches and so many different ways that they also did his music. Um, I thought that it, I thought that it fit well um, in all of his scenes. Gatsby and, and Tom have this, this wealth that it's so much wealth and it's in your face. And I, I think that, Jay-Z also provides the perfect um, backup or the perfect uh, um, insistence on this wealth. So it worked for you. It worked for Amanda in some parts. What about you guys? Nick, Jen? I think it did what it was supposed to do. It fit the same way we talk about it being a blockbuster. Like the soundtrack worked in that sense. Like it, it's what I expected, I guess. Nothing didn't really not work considering the way everything else was filmed and produced. I just want to quickly shout out the XX song. I forget what the name of it is on the album or on the soundtrack. And then Love is Blindness, the Jack White song. Yes. Big fan whenever that came out. I mean, we talked about the Lana Del Rey song being, you know, the sort of culturally, culturally significant one that sort of came out of this movie. But that Jack White song is is a song the, that I still The XX to. song is called Together. I was a, still am a big fan of the XX. So whenever that came on, I was like, oh, okay. I see what they're doing. I actually, I don't know that I like any of the Jay-Z songs on on this uh, soundtrack album. I mean, I, I probably like the songs individually, but in the movie, I don't I don't think it. I, I think I think to Brandon's point, I think it's definitely designed to reinforce this theme of like opulence. And I think that's, you know, Baz is going for Baz is going for it. It just doesn't sit right with me, I guess. Yeah, I definitely appreciate the uh, second half of the soundtrack much more than the first half. Kind of the same way I appreciate the second half of the movie much more than the first half. And I, the soundtrack, you know, goes along with the movie, obviously. So, like, as the as the, the music kind of matches up with the movie, it it kind of, like, settled my brain a little bit. I appreciated the movie more as the, the music settled down. Yeah, I remember thinking that the beginning of this movie is like uh, very not necessarily anxiety inducing, but there's a lot happening. Yeah, it feels very uh, in your face. And I didn't like that, <laughs> that much. I think it was definitely a choice. To me, it just didn't it didn't fit altogether. But I enjoyed the music individually, like you said, probably separate from from the movie. But one of the things I wanted to get to, because I think we all have a lot to speak about this one person and this, this person might be the MVP of the movie for us. I know it is for Jen. Let's talk about the actors and actresses that are in this movie. Primarily, let's start off with, with a bang. bang Jen, tell bang. me about Tobey Maguire. <laughs> Why do you think he's the MVP of this movie? I was trying to think of another way for something for MVP to stand for that doesn't actually mean MVP because I was not a fan I don't hate Tobey Maguire. I don't think he's bad in certain roles, but I just wasn't here for it. I could have done with less of him on the screen, but he was pretty much like the main character, which was surprising because like one, I didn't read the book. Still haven't read the book. My bad. You're not the only one here. It's okay. Yeah. And I guess going into it, I was a little confused. I was like, wait, where's where's Leo? 
I was like, why is he, it took like 30 minutes. And I was like, I'm oh, sorry. No, no, no. Exactly yeah. 30 minutes. I, I, I looked at it whenever he showed up and he does, he does his turnaround, you know, meme thing as an introduction at exactly 30 minutes. Like, the, this movie. What is it, like the most recognizable scene that yes. we said. Yeah. And I was just like, what is this? I don't understand. Again, I didn't read the book, so I didn't realize the whole, like he was talking to a psychiatrist or whatever the whole time wasn't supposed to be a part of it. Uh, Nick, what do you think of Tobey Maguire in this movie? Um, I thought he sucked. I thought he was completely miscast. I don't, I mean, I know why Tobey Maguire is in this movie because he's friends with Leo. Um, whatever the friend version of nepotism is, is bad and it should not be allowed. It needs to be outlawed immediately. Um, number one is this performance. Do you think it was like Leo? Hey, I know the perfect person to play Nick Carraway. It's my buddy. Or do you think it was, hey, I think it was Toby saying, hey, Leo, check this out. So I can be in this movie, but you've got to play the title role. No, I think it's I think it's the first one. I think I think uh, <laughs> I think Baz was like, Leo, listen, you're perfect for Gatsby. I'm going to do Gatsby. And um, Leo was like, you know, who's my best friend? <laughs> he read the book and he was like, you know, who's who's my best friend, Toby Maguire. He could definitely be Nick. And I don't know if Toby Maguire is is Nick like in real life. I don't know if he like I don't know if he likes to watch in real life. Um, Probably does. He seems like he could. Have you uh, not seen Molly's game? <laughs> very true. Very true. That guy's uh, an asshole. Sorry, Toby. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Toby. You're an asshole. Um, I, I, it just, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't work. I, if he's like that in real life, I don't know why he couldn't bring some of that to this performance. I don't, I don't I'm trying not to be too mean about this. Counterpoint. I think Toby plays a great, like, watcher, <laughs> to use the same word. Like a sort of fly on the wall, second fiddle, like trustworthy wingman type, you know, like kind of average Joe. I don't think it's really his fault that the line, his lines are from a hundred year old book. Yeah. Could he have done more with the lines? Maybe, but he's like, he's, he's honestly reading them as if they were written by a guy who's writing them from a hundred years ago. Like, what do you want from him? I don't know. I feel like he's supposed to play like this. I know in the I I haven't read the book personally, but from my research on the book, I know he's supposed to be more of like a ex-military. He's supposed to be a little bit more gruff or whatever. But like from the character he's portraying in this, he's supposed to be more docile, stoic, stoic, you know, and that's what he is. Okay, Right. He's bland. He's supposed to be bland. Toby's bland as fuck. You would have thought it would have just translated a little bit better. Antonio, what do you think of your boy, Tobey Maguire? Yours, mine, our Spider-Man. I, I will defend Tobey Maguire in this movie. Uh, I thought he was perfect for the role. Uh, I Honestly, like when I watch movies, I don't go out of my way to think, oh, you know, who would have been better in this role, this person. Uh, since we started doing this, I try to do that now. And I legitimately couldn't think of anyone else that could have played this role. But I might just be saying that to upset our Nick instead. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, he worked for me. His, uh, I could have used a little bit more inner conflict from him in a few scenes. But 
if that's not his strength to portray, then that's just not his strength to portray. So he always to me looks like he's having some type of inner conflict when his eyes bulge and kind of come back. Brandon, what do you think of Tobey Maguire in this? Boy, it's always a treat to see Tobey Maguire rehash his character from the first fucking Spider-Man over and over again on screen. Um, I really, I truly just enjoy this, the, the, the looks that he does from, he does this thing with his mouth where it's like upturned when he says something that he thinks is clever or that he thinks he delivered well. What's up with you and mouths? <laughs> he really likes mouths. It's not even a British mouth. It's not. Uh, where are you he going? Just, he just, he just, he just, he watches things and only looks at the mouth. I, I agree with Antonio that there. I guess there was nobody else better to cast as this this watcher um, who's been watching apparently since his his college days, according to Tom, uh, which was like this line that was just kind of dropped in there. But I was like, like I texted Nick and Antonio. I was like. What what does that mean? You know what it means. <laughs> I know you used to like to watch back in. Yeah, like I was like, <laughs> like what the fuck? I, I wouldn't have hung out with this guy if he was doing that. That's just me though. But you know, Tom probably actually liked it. Now that I think about his character, he probably was like, oh, "I've got an audience. I'm going to show out." But I'm sorry, uh, Toby McGuire. Um, God, he just, I don't know, he he just, he plays this shy little boy in all of his movies, and I'm like, you're fucking a 30, 40-year-old man now, like, come on. But he was he was adequate in this movie. Um, if you replaced him with literally anybody else, you probably would get the same results. But at the same time, I think that he fits really well uh, in this movie. I, I think that his lines, uh, this being a 100-year-old book or whatever, is... Uh, the, the lines are designed to be from the 20s. I don't think really gives him an excuse. Uh, I think everybody's uh, motives were probably, "Hey, you're this is the 1920s. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna talk and act like it is." He just did it the worst out of everybody else on the in the movie. I just meant like his lines. His lines were like li- he's like literally narrating the actual the passages directly from the book. You know what I'm saying? And he's probably trying to sound more literary than everyone else, it, which is why he has the weird pauses that he has when he's quote unquote writing. He's trying to sound more pensive, which is stupid. I want to go back to what Nick brought up a minute ago about the friendship and relationship between Leo and Toby and maybe the nepotism that, that was played in this casting and just being one of those people that just follows celebrities and, and understands or, or likes to know like the backstory. I knew that Leo and, and Toby had been friends since they were kids. And so I was really interested to see how that dynamic would work on screen as they're both kind of in their quote unquote prime. I, I want to read a little passage that I found on the relationship between Toby and Leo. This is from Baz uh, Lerman, the director. It was the very first day of shooting and it was the flower scene. And we were all very nervous because I think we felt we were carrying a very heavy chalice and a great responsibility. And we've been partnered up very early on. There was written dialogue in the scene. It was where Gatsby is waiting for Nick, is waiting with Nick for Daisy to arrive. And somewhere in there, the nerves and craziness. And I just thought, wow, we, we got to get going. We got to hurry this up. Uh, flowers 
too many, too little. So I put a lock on the camera on a wide shot and I said, action, you're waiting for Daisy, but don't do the scene, just improvise. And Leonardo says, you know, I'm going to do incredible Leonardo acting and I'm going to be better. And Toby says, well, I'm going to do incredible Toby acting. And I think Leonardo says, do you think it's too much? And Toby pauses. No, Nick pauses and says, I think it's what you want. And that moment, I think, is one of the purest and most connected lines in the film. And in watching that, in watching the movie, that was the scene where I was not taken out, but I was like, wow, these are two friends that are doing like two friends that are just talking, just acting like not not acting. They were just being friends on screen. And then to come back and like as doing research to read that, that that was real, like and that was improvised. That was my favorite scene of the movie was that one. So I kind of feel like this Toby performance would have been so much better if they had let them be a little bit more Toby and Leo versus Nick and Jay. Does that make sense? Better friends or more friendly. Like if they had let their friendship, their natural friendship chemistry, because I, I remember thinking that scene, I was like, they just seem, they just seem like two dudes just hanging out. Yeah. I mean, I think the best parts of this Toby performance are when he's with Leo for obvious reasons, I think, you know, there's like a natural sort of chemistry that they have as friends and, and that translates to the screen when he's by himself or when he's with other people, Toby is um, a liability, but Hey, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess you could make this movie, uh, you could cut it. It's too long. You could cut it so that more of it is them focused or, you know, is focused on them being together. That would be fine. Let's cut all the scenes where he's at the uh, mental hospital. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we don't need we don't need Toby being by himself. We don't need in this weird sort of, you know, Amanda's talking about this weird sort of ostentatious flowery language as a voiceover, like literally reading off the passage and then having it show up on screen. We don't need that. Yeah. We don't need that. So if we could replace Toby McGuire with anybody, anybody have any suggestions? Topher Grace. Topher Grace would be interesting. I think we brought him up. We, I, Nick and I talked for, uh, we went back and forth just kind of staring at each other because like I couldn't, I didn't like Toby Maguire as Nick, but like I also was struggling to find anyone who could even play that character because everyone else I was thinking of, I was like, they're just too good of an actor in a sense to where like they wouldn't have to play that secondary role even though he was the main character kind of. I mean, like y'all were saying, like with... Leo on screen and Toby was better. It's like that worked in their relationship, I guess, because in real life, it's like, Toby, are you just better when you're working with Leo? Like, it's kind of <laughs> yeah. like a re encouraging factor. Like, I don't know. I eventually, we kind of, well, not we, I guess I kind of landed on Charlie Hunnam, maybe. You know, it's 2013. His name's not unknown, but he's not huge. Like, Toby Maguire, at this point, you kind of expected too much from him as an actor. At this, you know, this late in the game, you think he'd do we be able to read the room <laughs> or the script or I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he read the script. <laughs> he literally that is slightly off camera. You know, I guess he did what he was supposed to do. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sorry to that man. He is. Well, it's like what Brandon said, like he's a grown ass man at this point. Stop playing kind of like a little bitch character. That sounds rude. I don't mean it to be that rude, but it's We're like just all it's, sorry, Toby Maguire, but you're not seven Peter Parker <laughs> from Spider. He just like it worked for him then, and he just kind of stuck with that's how he's gonna act. Yeah, and maybe that's just him. I don't know him personally. 
I, I can't speak to him being a bitch in person. In real life, he's just a bitch every time that I see him. Yeah. But I like Charlie Hunnam. I think his face kind of works for the era, too. Like, he could work. He, I don't know. He hadn't done too much yet. He wasn't huge, but he wasn't, like, completely nobody. Anyone else have any recasting? It's just so hard because I don't want the I don't want this Toby performance. So like, you know, it's it's one of those things where you try to recast it and you have to recontextualize the whole thing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I again, I don't want to keep coming back to this in cuz it's I'm not actually mad, but like I read this book this week and then I watched this movie again. I watched the movie, I read the book and then I watched the movie and like there's nothing like that performance is not what's in the book. Like he's not as Jen so eloquently put it, he's not a bitch in the book. Like, there's no reason for Tobey Maguire to be such a bitch in this movie. There's no reason for him to look so dumb. Like, he looks like he doesn't understand what's happening most of the time. They compare him, in a lot of the reviews, they compare him to Pleasantville, Tobey Maguire. Mm, I can see that. I can too. You have to remember that Tobey was Tom's friend in college, which means he had to have been... Like, he had to have at least been cool enough to hang out with Tom in college, too. I don't know how that happened, because clearly they were a mismatch as well. Yeah, like, he he dates Jordan Baker, who is, like, a sports star. Yeah. And you're telling me that Toby... You're telling me that Toby Maguire can get Elizabeth Debicki? Because... I have, I have thoughts about Jordan Baker in this movie, too. We can get to that. They better all be good thoughts. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Let's let's get to the let's get to the real MVP of this movie. I think we all universally think that Leo did a great job, but is there anything in particular that we really appreciate about Leo's performance in this movie? Or and if you didn't think he was great, please let me know. So we can fight. Yeah. Because Nick, I agree with you. You want to take this. Speak now so we can kick you off the island. <laughs> yes, yes. We're gonna vote you off. Um I so in a similar, I, I was listening to the Wild Wild West podcast um, because I, I like to, um, I like to listen, um, <laughs> and and we were we were talking about it in the in the context of you know you couldn't make this movie without Will Smith. You can't make Great Gatsby without Leo. He is perfectly cast here. He's perfect for the role. And if he's not in it, this movie is atrocious. Because, you know, we've, we've already talked about some other things that are wrong with this movie. But but he is the linchpin and he holds everything together. He makes it seem sort of believable. He brings a lot of emotion, I feel like. He brings he brings some of the depth, if there is depth here. My my personal favorite, you know, you, you, you brought it up a little bit, Ryan. But the, the entirety of that flower scene mm-hmm. from, you know, from... Uh, Honestly, from like the beginning when they when they're having the conversation at night in uh, in Toby Maguire's in Nick Carraway's yard, and he's like he looks around. Leo looks around and is like, "I'd like to have the grass cut," and then it yeah. starts everything. And and then particularly there's when he shows up when he leaves, you know, because Daisy shows up, and then he, you know, Toby lets him in. Sorry, Nick lets him in. And he sees that Leo's gone. And then you hear the little knock on the door. And he opens the door and it's just Leo standing there. Like frustrated. Completely soaked. Like mad at himself. Like doesn't... And the, the look on his face is just... 
It's perfect. And then he walks in and he like smooths his hair because it has gotten, you know, there's like a little bit that's off and he needs to be perfect to see Daisy. I don't know. He's, he's perfect. The little things that he does in this movie are, you know, everything just sort of works. The thing that I appreciated about his performance in this the most was I think that he really captured this sense of like hopelessly optimistic. So even after everything goes down with Daisy Tom at the hotel, um, after the, after the, the second hotel scene, he's still so hopelessly optimistic that she's going to call uh, and she's going to she just needs time uh, to work out her feelings. And, you know, even after it's obvious that she's not going to do I don't want to call it the right thing, but she's not going to do what he hopes that she does. And I think that, you know, even even up until uh, when he's when he's shot they he he still is holding out hope that uh she she's going to she's going to call him and she's going to run away with him and i think that he did a really good job of just capturing uh that that you, it it made you believe that she, all she needed was just a little bit more time for everything to work out amanda what do you think i don't really have the words to describe how this movie movie made me feel about leo Cause I have like, I have a lot of feelings about Leo in general. Can I read something from IndieWire? It's like a short little love letter. Sure, go for it. The film's intoxicating interplay between fantasy and reality extends all the way to its cast. On one hand, Gatsby screams for a famous face and Leonardo DiCaprio was as obvious a choice in 2013 as Robert Redford was in 1974. On the other hand, DiCaprio's presence is endowed with its own unique import. The last movie star of the 20th century, DiCaprio has since become the only movie star of the 21st, at least so far as the Hollywood galaxy is concerned. And the great Gatsby affords him the destructive gravity of a dying son. While Warner Brothers leveraged the actor's unparalleled box office appeal to make the great Gatsby an unlikely hit, Lerman used his enduring celebrity to create a character who was both mythically or mythical and hollow in equal measure which is like a great analogy between Gatsby and Leo in general, when you think about him, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, if, and then it says, uh, I'm going to skip over a little bit here. DiCaprio may not be as carefully self-invented as the man he's playing here, but the sheer power of his image makes him every bit as beautiful to behold. And while some films, i.e. Catch Me If You Can and The Wolf of Wall Street, have made it possible for DiCaprio to slip out of his own skin, others, like J. Edgar, have proven just how difficult it can be for some to escape that kind of straitjacket. Lerman splits the difference. Uh, while he wants you to forget who you're looking at, he never wants you to lose sight of how DiCaprio is playing Gatsby just like Gatsby is playing himself. Yeah. It is a, it is a guy disguised as a guy acting as another guy yeah like i couldn't come up with anything like i was like well i can't say anything else so (laughs) yeah that's the problem with reading good writing i know you're like fuck that's what i thought too (laughs) yeah you stole my words that i couldn't form i found the film incredibly boring until leo showed up at 30 minutes in and i thought this went from a disaster to actually something really really entertaining Uh, of course leo's natural charm radiates but what was awesome to see was him radiate that charm along with the insecurity of Gatsby 
because he can go from like one one minute he's commanding a room full of people and the next he he can't figure out how to sit when he's trying to reunite with Daisy. Yeah. So I, just incredibly charming, incredibly romantic. And I think it just proves that, you know, I, I think more than 15 years after Titanic, Leo still owns romance and charm more so than anybody in the business. I thought he crushed it. This is the first year where you kind of realize, oh man, he's middle-aged. He's no longer that young heartthrob. Like he, you can see him as a 40 year old man at that point. Not mad. Not mad about it. I mean, oh, I mean definitely it's, it's working not. for him. It's working, it's working for the, him. The older he gets, the the tastier he gets, but it's he is a fine wine. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, do you feel, do you have, do you share the same sentiment that? Yes. I think everyone here probably does. In their heart I would hope so. He, he and Brad and George, the older they get. Listen, are we talking about George Clooney? <laughs> yes, of course. Who she, else are we talking about? All great actors, but like, I think, um, was already mentioned. That I mean, Denzel does, too. Like romance, but also like he shows his insecurities, but then he's also a badass. Like he's, and his face doesn't, like, I don't know. It works for both characters or personalities, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he can be insecure without you not believing it. Like he looks insecure. He looks insecure and vulnerable, and while still looking like he does. Yeah. I just want to save him. I just want to give him a hug and be like, "I'll be your date. I'll fix you. I can fix that." <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's holes. Yeah, it's just it's weird. He's the only one who's afforded depth in this movie. Part of it is, I guess, it's built around Leah. But Antonio, what do you think about Carrie Mulligan? Loved her. She was um, she had a really good quote. Let me pull up my notes here that I really liked because I thought her delivery was great. Fuck, what was it? It was really early in the film, right after they Nick made his way over to to the Buchanan household, and they were just walking in the garden. The best thing a girl could be is a fool. Yep, that one. She was so defeated, like, in saying it, but, like, knew that that was all her daughter really at that point in time could be. And I, as a, you know, as an advocate for, for women empowerment, that that really, that really hurt me. That that's, that's what they had to go through in their early 20s. <laughs> Fucking Antonio. Just... Just in the early 20s? Damn. Jumping off of Antonio's point, I thought that this movie did a lot of interesting things in capturing the time period that they were in. You know, Tom is a racist, and he makes that... Uh, he, he talks about at dinner um, being the superior race. I thought that that, was, that, that little speech was interesting. Uh, but also, I thought, kind of talking about women empowerment, I thought that it was interesting that during the scene where Tom and Gatsby are essentially fighting over Daisy, Daisy has no real input in that. It's just the two men discussing what Daisy's going to do with the rest of her life. Essentially what she wants is never articulated, except at the end where she says that she loved both of them. But as essentially that whole scene is just Tom and Gatsby going back and forth about what Daisy's going to do with the rest of her life. And I thought that that was, I thought that that was just really interesting that Baz Luhrmann had that, that whole scene in there. I thought Carrie Mulligan did a great job in this role. I read that she actually thought that she did a terrible job in this role. 
And she was actually a lot more selective in in taking smaller roles after this because she felt overwhelmed by this film. But I do have a lot of problems with Daisy as a character. Like what she does or the way that she's like written? Uh, A little bit of both. Now, from what I've read, we're giving the Daisy in the movie a lot of, and she doesn't even get a lot of depth in the movie, but we're giving her more depth than she was allowed in the book. In the book, she comes across as a lot more selfish and a lot more, like, narcissistic than she is in the movie. But can we talk about the fact that she just wants to, like, run away with somebody and, like, where the where the fuck's her kid in this thing? She has no care in the world about where her baby is. It's like that in the book, too. That was one of the, the interesting things is, like, they've got a she's, and that's the other thing, too, is that it, show, it sets up pretty early that she's not, like, a great mom, like... The nanny like brings the kid in at one point and then she like makes the kid say something and then she's like, okay, go away now. Yeah, I think that's like a a wealthy. That's that's more of a wealthy thing. Even back then, though, is like you're you're not really raising your kid. (laughs) Right. You're not the mom, really. Like when you when you see the kind of house they live in and things like that, you're not raising your child. Someone else is in your household. It was just very interesting that she just kind of went missing for a long time with this man and where's your <laughs> do you know where your child is do you know where your child is anyone else have any thoughts on carrie mulligan in the role of daisy she was great though not daisy carrie she was okay ryan do you have thoughts on carrie Mulligan? because i'm upset with your thoughts on carrie my my i thought she did a great job in the role She's very talented. I love her in Wall Street Money Never Sleeps. <laughs> underrated performance. Underrated movie. Well, Big shy guy. Yes. I'm not. Yes. I just I look at if I our lives had gone differently, I probably would have all those roles. Oh, we're, okay. We're, we're basically we're the same there person. Again. I guess Michelle Williams passed on this role, and I guess we got Carrie Mulligan. That's what I kept thinking the entire time, because I thought it would be a really good role for Michelle Williams, because Michelle Williams has that, that look in her eye of sometimes that extreme vulnerability, but also uh, there's a sense of needing to be secure with her. Like, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to make the best choice for me. Maybe not necessarily me and my child, but me. And I think Michelle Williams would have conveyed that a little bit more. But that's just my opinion. I thought Carrie Mulligan was awesome, but I just kept thinking Michelle Williams would have been better. Hmm. I think Michelle Williams conveys too much strength. Like, she can't play that damsel in this in distress the way Carrie Mulligan can. Okay. Hey, we're an opinion show. That's what we're going to do. Why are you muting yourself, Nick? <laughs> Jen, Jen, um, Jen playfully suggested Brie Larson Fuck. As, as a substitute. And she said, hey, Jay Gatsby, you got something for me? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you say it? Why don't you say it? Oh my god. Like, I have to. I'm the bad guy now because I stole your joke. Like, I am distraught and destroyed. Wow. I'm upset. See? Wow. She could have played that role. I'm the bad guy, though. God damn it. I'm the bad guy. You don't like Michelle Williams, Nick? You obviously don't like Brie Larson. (laughs) No, he loves Brie Larson. She is. Me too. Um, <laughs> soft spot. Who, um, who among us oh, is right? You don't get to steal my jokes, Joseph. I mm, Michelle Williams is fine. She's it was just a, it was just a thought. It was just some. I I kept thinking as I was watching the movie. I was like, mm, 
What was she doing during that time? She's not better than Carrie Mulligan. Uh-huh. She's not. The Academy would the Academy would disagree, but go ahead. Well, the Academy gets a lot of things wrong. Michelle Michelle Williams fre- frequently finds herself in those movies that are Oscar bait. So, you know, okay. good for her. I thought Carrie Mulligan was great in this. I thought so too. It's just because they look alike. And her voice too. You know, they make a big point of I. I you just say bring, that. I just keep bringing up the book because. Um, because I'm pretentious, um, but they make a they make a, a point of frequently referencing her voice in the book and how it's um, it's just so good, you know that whole <laughs> that that Jake <laughs> you got something for me, Jake Gatsby is actually right because because she apparently she just talks like that she just talks in a way that's you know just interesting to men specifically I think but you know she's got that one nine hundred voice yeah it, whatever I, I I bet that's what he was going for he couldn't quite say that because it was you know the 1920s or 1930 whatever year old book whenever S. Scott Fitzgerald wrote this but he was like listen you want you're gonna want to fuck this book um <laughs> but she does she does a really good voice in this like she is you know and it's not like super sultry or anything it's just she's just got like a nice there's a sweetness there but there's yeah. also something it's like an inviting voice. It's very pure. Very pure, yeah. Her and Leo have really good chemistry too. Tell me, do they miss me in Chicago? That flower scene. Whenever, uh, whenever she says, "God, what does she say?" She says, um, "Leo walks in," and she says she takes a beat, the best beat in the movie, and then says, "Well, I'm certainly glad to see you again." In that, in that Carrie Mulligan little delicate little voice, and I. I just almost shed a tear. It was it was so beautiful. I didn't cry because I don't cry at movies, but he came out and said, It's a four guys. <laughs> That's right. Jenny got anything on Carrie Mulligan? I think everyone was cast just fine except for Toby McGuire. That's, That's right. all I gotta say. <laughs> I didn't have a problem with anyone else. The women were great, they looked great, acted great, sounded the part. Leo just tried to help out Toby and it just didn't <laughs> <laughs> But everyone else is great. Go back to watching, buddy. Go back to watching. Show you how it's done. Do we want to talk about any of the other smaller roles? Anybody have anything for those? Anybody stuck out as like really awesome or like really shitty? Elizabeth DeBecky was the true queen of this movie. She's the true queen of everything. Except she hasn't done anything else since this movie, I don't think. Excuse me? Boy, have I got a movie for you. What has she done? <laughs> What have I, uh, I, I was just talking to Nick about this the other day. Um, I think I, I think I wrote him uh, that I was watching. I mean, she's done a bunch of shit, really. But the one that I was watching the other day, um, Nick helped me. Out I mean, here. she's in I... Guardians of the Galaxy. No, well, yeah, yeah she, I mean, she's that. in that. She's gold, like literally gold. <laughs> and it takes you a minute to remember who she is in that, or who she realize who she is in that film. So, oh, so, so I was watching um, the Cloverfield Paradox because I like that series, that Cloverfield series of movies. You know, the found footage one from uh, New York. Yes, I, I see she's in The Man from Uncle. So, is she? In a, does she have a major role in that? Yeah, she's a she's a co or maybe the lead villain in that. Nice. Okay. Um, great. That was really good. Great in that one. This is this is technically my introduction. I mean, this is this is almost the world's introduction to Elizabeth Debicki. But yes, the man from uncle brief shout out. She's going to be at tenant, which is I'm excited about. And then also just a, the briefest of shout outs to 
um, a mini series called The Night Manager with her and Tom Hiddleston. She is fantastic in that. Okay. There's a lot to. It's a very. It's a sumptuous. It, it's it's set in like a exotic locale. It's a it's a great, and it's a spy thing. I don't know how how anybody feels about spy stuff, but okay. definitely watch that. But also, she's six three and just like owns she a tree. every bit of being six three. Like it, it's yeah, she's like she's like this slithery tall waterfall of just of alabaster skin. Yes. yes. Sorry, I had to I had to get that phrase in. That's a that's a joke that Van and I have about about Elizabeth Debicki. So she's underappreciated, and I hope that uh, Tenant is really one of those films that like catapults her into like this mainstream. Like, you know, you got to get her in everything after after Tenant. Yeah, I really feel like she did the most with what she had in this movie. I think that the character was a a good character in the film. I mean, you're supposed to be like the gossip telling a little bit of the backstory, you know, but she just kind of like works the room really well. And she she knows the ins and outs of how to navigate society. And um, she does it very gracefully. It's it it's it's really nice to see that. But she's not like so classically pretty, I guess. What's that face for? I feel like she's classically pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Me, me too. I mean, like. She's not like she doesn't look like Daisy Buchanan. That's what I'm saying. The girl that everybody likes. Yeah, she has she has one of the great lines in the movie too, Amanda. I think I think you listed it as one of your. Oh, it's my favorite quote. Yeah, he gives large parties, and I like large parties. They're so intimate. Small parties, there isn't any privacy. I was, I was a big fan of that line. Yeah, in the book. it works with with her character really well. Yeah. But we didn't talk at all about the parties in this movie. And I feel like that's what Baz wanted everyone to talk about. Because yeah. like, I don't know that anyone does. I guess you could call the party or the parties like a character in the movie. I know a lot of times a location can play a quote unquote character of a movie. So I guess we could talk about the parties. That fits. Yes. I mean, I guess it's central to, I don't know. I read, I read something and it was like, you know, Really, when you look at it, The Great Gatsby as a book, there's like nine chapters and each of them revolves around a party. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm stupid. I didn't even see that. <laughs> so Baz, Baz saw that and it was like, OK, well, the important, probably thing some parties. Here, the important thing here is that we get some fucking parties like I need 500 extras all choreographed to move at the same time. I need fireworks. I need streamers. I need, you know, 200 bottles of champagne. I need zebras in the pool. Zebras in the pool. <laughs> I need excess. I mean, he's the perfect guy to do it. I think it I think it worked. It all looks, you know, like Brandon used the word opulent before. It all it all looks very yep. very wealthy. Very fun too. Kind of, but also hollow almost. Yeah, I think I said in the beginning when I think about this movie, the first thing that comes to mind was that the parties, at least for me, um, because you know, right after this movie came out, it was, you know, it was the big thing to throw Gatsby parties. And, you know, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of people took away from this movie, the parties. Um, and I, that, I mean, that's a big part of it. I think that, you know, the parties, like you were saying, you know, these, the, at least the chapters of the book revolve around the parties. And I feel like 
in this movie, the parties up until they stop really drive the book forward. But even, I guess you could count the hotel scenes as quote unquote, smaller parties. Yeah. Uh, that's in a sense. Yeah. Um, but I, every single, I think every single party that's depicted in this movie um, moves the the story of Gatsby and Daisy forward. I agree. Antonio, any of the other smaller roles stick out to you? Uh, I was going to follow up on the party thing uh, just because Go for there were a couple of things that kind of stuck out to me. Like when they invite, when he finally invites. Ryan didn't want to talk about parties, apparently. I guess not. It's who parties on Sundays. So um, there's the one where he invites uh, Tom and, and Daisy over and he's introducing Tom as the polo player. And Tom just like pulls Nick aside. He's like, I'd really rather not be the polo player tonight. <laughs> and then the other line <laughs> where uh, I think Daisy and Nick go off somewhere and it's just uh, Gatsby and Tom. So a little backstory. I think it, it might have been 2013 that Nick, Brandon and I went to a Texas West Virginia game. And there was a guy a few rows below, like a few rows below us that was just wilding out the whole game. And the most memorable night line from that night was your wife took a picture with me, though. She took a picture with me. And in the in the movie, there's a line where Jay is like, you see, I know your wife. And to me in this movie, like that's the equivalent of your wife took a picture with me, though. I just I had I had to squeeze those two in. That's very true. That is those are similar line readings. One of them was one of them was yelling. The other one was very quiet. But they're the same. They're the same message. Ryan, Ryan, you got anything? You got anything on anybody else? Joel Edgerton was really really good in this. Is Tom? I thought he's good. I, I mean, he's having a really good career. Good on his uh, his agent there. Got Warrior, Gatsby, Zero Dark Thirty, The Gift, Black Mass. Antonio's favorite, loving, but I can understand why he's getting so many good roles. Is he's really, really good, and I thought, I thought he played a very good. I thought he played. And correct me if I'm wrong. Like I said, I, I read the novel 20 years ago. I haven't touched it since. I'm just not a big reader. I remember Tom in the novel being a lot more racist and brash, and I feel like obviously in the movie he's still racist and and brash, but not. But there was a there was a little bit of. Um, like you felt bad for him in certain in certain parts. And I don't remember ever feeling bad for him when I was reading the novel. But in the movie, I think Joel Edgerton kind of kind of reaches out and and gives off a a almost not feel sorry for me when they're in the hotel and he goes, "Listen, I know I've strayed or I know I've I fucked up or something something along those lines." But he's like, "I still love you." Like I kind of really felt that come through of the character, and I was like, "Wow, it it like you felt it." I felt it at least. So I thought he, he did a really good it. job. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the book, I think, I think it's a little bit more critical of him because it, it plays those moments as sort of um, kind of like um, manipulation mm. almost where he doesn't, actually. but, but I mean, to your point, I think, I think that that's one of the better things that Edgerton did with this role is that because he makes you believe that he believes what he's saying. Right. And that's that's the important thing. Like that's that's the that's the key to the the empathy that you're talking about. Like, listen, it, you know, he's he's a bad guy, but he thinks that he's doing he thinks that he's not basically. He's he know? thinks he's redeeming himself right. by saying that. Yeah. Right, right. You know, I don't feel bad for Tom at all in that that scene, right? Because, you know, a cheater isn't sorry until they're caught or they're confronted. And right. I I view that scene as like Tom 
realizing that it's a real possibility that Daisy has found something better than what he has to offer. And he's trying to hold on to whatever it is that he, I think it felt like he's just trying to hold on to the image of him and Daisy, as opposed to like actually being sorry that he has the other woman in New York because Daisy already knows about this. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not a secret but he's never been confronted on it. And he's so bold about this that he even takes her cousin, he takes Nick to meet this woman and and spend time with this woman. So like Tom to me is one of those characters that just, uh, you know, and to top it off, like you said, he is definitely a racist. Um, He is, (laughs) you know, he is uh, all of these things that, and I, and it's part of it is the time. uh, But you know, I I don't know. Tom Tom for me is not a sympathetic character at all in this in this movie. So you, you just mentioned right now um, Tom taking Nick to meet the the side piece, and so at the beginning, I, when I said what when you guys asked what comes to mind when I think of Great Gatsby, I said something relating to to Bros Before Hose, and so no one needs to comment on this because I, I don't want to get anyone in trouble. To me, oh shit. <laughs> Like, so Nick is Daisy's cousin, and Daisy's husband takes Nick to go meet the side piece. Like, I get they were friends in college, but shouldn't your family relationship supersede the bros before hosting and, like, you tell your cousin that, hey, this dude's not being loyal to you. But then, you know, as the movie progresses, he's then betraying his boy, Tom, by, like, sneaking around his cousin and, like, having her sleep with jay when she's still married like i don't know it, it so nick caraway is just a big piece of shit huh yeah basically that's what i took away from all this he ain't got no loyalty to anybody well he's a he's a watcher he's not a talker yeah a, a didn't think about he's that. a watcher not a doer and daisy told him prior to that that he had a girl daisy told nick that tom has a girlfriend in no, I don't think it was I Daisy, was, wasn't I it? Think that was Jordan. That Jordan it. did. But I thought Daisy also did when they were talking about the daughter. I think she knew. That might have come later on. In the garden. I mean, I think I think she's always been sort of aware. I mean, it's not like this, you know, it's it's spoken of that he's done this in the past. Oh. They had to leave Chicago because. Right. Because he did this and it made it into the papers. You yeah. know, that was a, that was a big thing. So she's she's aware that he's a wild asshole. Antonio is cousin the like what's the what's the limit? What where does family supersede uh bros before hoes? Where's the line? I, I, is it second cousin? I'm, I'm assuming that they're like first cousins. No, that's okay, so if a first cousin is that is that enough? I, I think for so. you? second cousin you're you're like if it's stretching a little bit. I'm not even that close with my cousins like that. To so be is she a bro? <laughs> that's a thing. Like I don't know. Or a hoe? I mean, they all might be his bros if you really stop and think yeah. about it, because he didn't say shit to anybody. I don't know. They're all they're all his bros. Anyone else got anything on any of the characters? Jen, you got anything? Toby Maguire's character, like pretty much, I was just thinking about it. Like, essentially, he just wants everyone to kind of like him, and he wants to like be on everyone's side. He wants he doesn't want to upset Daisy. He doesn't want to upset Tom. Which I get because like Tom's character is like manipulative and kind of like intimidating. And then he wants to act like he's the good guy. 
Very and temperamental. Of, what's his name from Titanic? Billy Zane? Yeah, he reminds me of Billy Zane. <laughs> like, he's not as genuine as he thinks, but whenever his stuff gets threatened, he wants to, you know, but sorry, but Toby Maguire just wants everyone to be his friend. That's a very good comparison. Way to go, Jen. Yeah. That was sarcastic, Nicole. <laughs> no, that was not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Which, I mean, actually, when you think about Toby Maguire as a character, it makes sense. He's still, again, throughout the whole movie, kind of a bitch. <laughs> he wants Jay Gatsby, who he just freaking met, to like him. He wants to please his cousin, and then he wants to please Tom, which I, is kind of an intimidating character. You know, the 20s, it was real easy to just kill somebody. So easy. You Which could... is what's going to happen eventually in this movie by accident. Spoilers. Poor Isla Fisher. So easy. <laughs> Anyone have a favorite quote or a favorite scene that really stuck out to them where they were just like, ah, oh, best part of the movie? Nick, I know you mentioned yours. Amanda kind of mentioned yours. Is there a different one? Another one? I mean, the whole like introductory scene to Gatsby is kind of iconic, of course, but like, and a lot of my, a lot of my favorite quotes kind of wrap around that that scene the the little tidbits on like they say he's third cousin to the kaiser and second cousin to the devil and things like that <laughs> um janet snakehole i love yeah. that it's a choo -choo jolly. <laughs> it's a parks Please and rec reference for anybody yeah. um the president's rubies but <laughs> But a lot of those, a lot of the, a lot of my favorite co quotes are wrapped around that specific party and just the introduction to Gatsby in general. Brandon, what about you? What's your favorite scene or favorite quote from the movie? Uh, my favorite quote scene, I guess, is the uh, you can't repeat the past. Nick is essentially telling Gatsby that he doesn't think that this is going to work out between him and Daisy. And he's living in this, this fantasy from five years ago where he wants to go back and recreate everything now that he has money. And I think that, you know, it just kind of shows how disconnect when Gatsby is like, no, of course you can. Um, I think that it kind of just shows how like disconnected uh, Jay is from this character that he's built and this fantasy that he has in his head and this, this, you know, this, these parties in this mansion, he's, he's built this all just for this, for Daisy. And there's no guarantee that this is going to work out. And in fact, you know, it probably isn't going to work out because, you know, as you're, you're moving, he, he's, they're constantly moving forward and it, he can't, he, he ultimately is unable to repeat the past. Uh, she doesn't, she doesn't choose him. She decides to leave New York ultimately with her family and uh, he's killed. And, you know, it, it, it's a real sad scene for me, I think, because Gatsby, you know, he, he's just so hopelessly optimistic that this is all going to work out. And it, it just doesn't. I always like a good quote from a movie. And I think the one that stuck out to me in this one was when he goes, quote, my life, old sport, my life, my life has got to be like this. And he points up and goes, it's got to keep going up. And I, I think we can all kind of relate to that. None of us want to be complacent or stagnant. I think we always want to keep moving up and up and up. And I think that's how we can all individually kind of relate to to at least that part of the personality of that character. At least I do. I want to throw lavish parties. I want my life to go down, damn it. <laughs> no, you don't. You do not want to throw lavish parties. The last party we threw, you were like, you hid in your bedroom and left me to deal with it Get on him. my own. Get his ass. <laughs> so anyone else have a favorite scene or quote they want to talk about? 
I thought there was a lot of good quotes. I mean, we talked about how like a lot of this movie and like the parties and stuff was hollow and empty, but a lot of the quotes were pretty good. But I want to talk, I guess it's really quickly about like an anti quote, I guess. If Leonardo DiCaprio or Jay Gatsby said old sport one more time, I was absolutely going to lose. Don't make that face. I, the only thing aside from Tobey Maguire's acting that I thought was overdone. Well, actually his was underdone. Sorry, Toby, again. But he said old sport. I should have counted how many times. There were 55 old sports in the movie. Sounds and bad. only four of them were not said by Leonardo DiCaprio. It was a bit much. Jen, you realize if he doesn't say old sport, then we don't have 40 in you and we lose a very endearing character. <laughs> That's oh. true. It's true. I thought it was a fine catchphrase. It was, do you need to say it four times in one sentence? Speaking of... I think he can still get his point across if you just... At least take like 10 of them away. And so that's kind of an interesting thing because I'm curious. Gatsby spends those five years that he's away from Daisy kind of building this this character for himself. And one of the things that is interesting is the way that he speaks. It seems so different from Tom, who's old money, versus Gat. Like that's one of the things I think that's kind of stuck out to me in this movie was like Tom's Tom's way of speaking is, is very different from Gatsby's and almost like Gatsby's almost seems over the top. Like he's trying to make a point that he is this well, this refined, well-educated man where Tom obviously well-educated, obviously wealthy, doesn't sound anything like Gatsby. Doesn't need to prove himself. Cause he's a sociopath. He's literally imitating people that he's encountered and kind of mimicking what they say and what they do in order to portray this this outer yes i am i am of you people i am this it's just like in i I can't think of a movie right now that comes to mind but when someone who is from like a lower class hangs out with people who are like never mind going on a different tangent but in calling him mr ripley there you go that's a good one in calling him a a sociopath just Fun fact, Leonardo DiCaprio said he wanted to play Gatsby because he was drawn to the idea of a man who came from absolutely nothing and created himself from his imagination. And he said he's an iconic character who can be interpreted in so many ways as a hopeless romantic, a completely obsessed wacko, or a dangerous gangster clinging to wealth. Psycho. Yeah. So... Yes, a sociopath. The, the guy created himself from his own imagination. Yeah, sheer force of will, I think, is what they say. Like, he was raised in this little hut and just by, like... In belief, South Dakota, yeah. Right, just by belief. Yeah. In, in, in the ultimate power of himself, he made himself into this, yeah. He forced himself onto some man's boat and said, I am, I am here, I am the captain now. <laughs> Look at me, old sport. So what do we got as far as rating? Who wants to go first as far? Or actually, we have to do this. We do this every time for at least the first 10 episodes. Antonio, you want to break down our rating system that we have here on the fun table? He doesn't. He doesn't have it up. God. He's not prepared. Okay, so we have a rating system, and it's a four-point system, because who doesn't like four points, I think, to quote Antonio? So the first one would be, if you give it... A one, that means you wouldn't rewatch it or recommend. If you give it a two, you would maybe rewatch but wouldn't recommend. If you gave it a three, you'd be rewatch and recommend if asked about the movie specifically. Or we gave it the highest rating we can, which is a four. Uh, that means you would rewatch and provide unsolicited recommendation for this film. This rating system is unfair to two of us. 
Yes. Deeply flawed. Antonio, since this was your pick, your choice. It's a democracy. It's not a dictatorship. We chose this movie as a group. As a group, we chose this movie, and I think we all generally enjoyed parts of it. So, Antonio, what's your rating for this film? This is a very solid two for me. Wow. <laughs> what the fuck? So, Antonio, expand on your on your on your rating. Uh, as I was watching, please, I, I, I had kind of similar thoughts to Nick when he said that he remembers this movie being better than it was. I hate you, Antonio. <laughs> When I was rewatching it on Tuesday, I was like, oh, you know, about hour 45 in or so, I was like, we're not close to wrapping this up. And, you know, <laughs> it's just, I know how it's going to end, you know, any, any movie that has Leo with a body of water, it doesn't end well for him. So we know where this is going <laughs> and we just like hurry it up. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it, I, I would rewatch it. I wouldn't, this wouldn't be on the Jojo rabbit list. Mick, what about you? Um, I said it's somewhere between a three and a four, probably leaning towards a three. I would maybe the, the, the issue here is that if someone if I knew that someone was a fan of certain aspects of what happens here, then I'd probably provide it as an unsolicited recommendation. And I think that there are things that are in here that I don't know that that work for what some people like, you know, if you like spectacle, I guess, if you're if you're a fan of Baz Luhrmann movies, I think I think this works for you. If you're a fan of Leo, like if you're a big Leo person, then you should definitely see and you haven't seen this for whatever reason, you should definitely see this. Then you're not a Leo person. God damn it. That's true. That's true. Uh, if you're just getting into Leo and you're like, you know what? Hey, this guy, Leonardo DiCaprio, he's a good actor. Uh, this guy def- fucks. <laughs> definitely. This guy. Um, I feel like you should definitely watch this. I didn't mind rewatching it. I, like Antonio said, there were multiple times in this movie where I stopped it to see how far into the movie I was and how much movie was left because that it's it's very long and, and things sort of drag at certain points. But I'd probably still rewatch it again. Like I'd read the book again before I'd watch the movie just because, you know, I'm a fan of, of what happens there. But I, I didn't mind if, if only for the Leo performance. Gosh, if I could just if if there's like a Snyder cut of this where there's like the least amount of Toby Maguire possible, that would be great. I'd rewatch that in a heartbeat. The true villain is Jen. What are you gonna give this movie? It's gonna be between a two and a three, like a combination of both. Because I would maybe rewatch it again. It was very long. I'd probably fast forward through like the first thirty minutes because I get it. I don't need to rewatch that. Nothing really that visually stunning about that part or interesting. It's just a buildup, but I'd recommend. I, again, I haven't read the book. I might read it. It's right here. There's, I guess, no reason for me not to, except I get it already. But you guys say the book is better, but I would recommend the movie for sure. What about you, Amanda? Um, well, in the first hour... I would have given this a one, but once this movie was over and after I started taking notes and things like that, I would definitely give this a three after like having time to think about it and stuff like that. I would, I would recommend this movie. Baz is not really my guy, so I don't know if I'd necessarily rewatch, but I'm definitely going to read the book now. I'm a, I'm a reader, so I'm going to go ahead and pick up that book and read it instead of rewatching. 
Um, but a lot of what Nick said, you know, like I, I, I love Leo. So if I, I would, I would watch this for the Leo performance again, the last half of the movie is, is beautiful, but the, the first half I could, you know, skip through a lot of it. Brandon, what about you? Uh, this movie for me is a two, but it is a buy. Uh, I already own the movie. Uh, I bought it years ago. Um, I would, and if I were to go through that whole thing again, I would, I would buy it again. Uh, but it is, it's one of those movies where I saw it in theaters, I bought it, I watched it at home and then I was done with it, but that still constitutes a buy for me. So like, it's, it's a good movie in terms of like the directing and the acting, but it is, it just, it feels like just a good movie. Like there's nothing, there's nothing deep there. Also, there was one thing that we we didn't touch on that I just wanted to touch on real quick. Uh, the CGI in this movie, there's so much of it. And most of it looks good. But there's this one part where Nick and Tom are at the gas station. It's so bad. It looks like Tobey Maguire is standing in front of a green screen. And I don't know how they got away with like editing it the way that it is. It just it looks really bad and it's it's very obvious. But um, other than that, the rest of the CGI in this movie is fantastic. Uh, yeah, the CGI is pretty good. Uh, I would give this a solid three, only because of our rating system. Rewatch. I'd probably rewatch it if it's on. It's Leo. You're going to watch. Uh, and I'd re- recommend it if anyone asked me about the movie. If someone was like, hey, have you seen Gatsby? I'd be like, yeah, you should check it out. You're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. Simple as that. Um, but if I did have to make a recommendation for a movie... I would say Dick Tracy because I kept coming back to that movie because of the the visual effects and kind of the the old timey story kind of feeling when the story takes place. And it just reminded me a lot of Dick Tracy. And I thought once we finished this movie, I wanted to watch it. So, yeah. What do you guys got for recommendations? Uh, I went with Romeo plus Juliet. The Baz Luhrmann classic. Is it okay? Is it Romeo and Juliet or is it Romeo plus Juliet? Like, is that is that what we? It's, it's Romeo and Juliet. It no, has I know, but like, is when the movie came out, was it plus Juliet? I don't. Sorry. Go ahead. I just. I, it's one of those. It's one of those. I, I'm sorry. I, I just. I say it like that as a joke because you know that's the way it was stylized to be to appeal to the youth. Ironically. I don't know if it was ironic. I think Baz Luhrmann believes earnestly in all of the decisions that he makes. Like, I don't... It's kind of like the music in the party scenes where I'm like, is it an artistic stroke of genius that it, I just don't appreciate? Or... Oh, I don't think that was... <laughs> yeah, I, I think he I think he meant to do that, but I think it was a mistake. Uh, <laughs> I, I think... So this is, this is the early Baz Luhrmann-Leo collaboration. Um, I haven't seen it that recently. But I remember, and it's so it's entirely Shakespearean dialogue, just just transposed onto a modern um, setting. We talked about, Brandon talked about this earlier. I think it really works. I remember it working really well. I look forward to rewatching it and then thinking that it sucks, just like this. Well, I didn't think this movie sucks, but th- and realizing that it's not as good as I thought it was, like uh, like I did with this movie. This is why I don't rewatch movies, by the way, is because you you think that something's good and then you go back and you're like, oh, great. Well, turns out wasn't actually that good. Well, I would also say Romeo and Juliet. I've never said it as a plus. I, I cringe when you say it. I don't say it that often. But I think I have the, actually, we have the DVD. I guess you could just find it somewhere, but I don't know where it is on Netflix or anything, but it's a great movie. 
I think it's one of Leo. Well, I don't think Leo's ever done a bad movie as far as his acting goes. You ever watched J. Okay. Edgar? No, actually, I haven't. But <laughs> clearly, you wouldn't recommend that. Romeo and Juliet. That's a great one. What's it? Claire Danes and Leonardo DiCaprio have a great vibe, I guess. They do have some good chemistry in that. That's a Helps good when one. you're dating, I think. Or something. We can say fucking on this podcast. 1996. Holy shit. Man. Anybody else have anything? Antonio? Brandon? Amanda? No, I'm, no? I'm good. I'm going to go Is watch Romeo plus Juliet today. Oh, so I guess that's our show. Join us next week when we discuss our classic road horror movie with not one but two direct to video sequel starring Paul Walker, the unforgettable Lily Sorbisky, and written by one of Brandon's favorite people on Facebook, J.J. Abrams. Joyride. <laughs>